Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Kicked Back, a home for football fans that want to stay up to date on everything going on in the football world. Join Caroline, Liam, and some special guests along the way as they talk about all the trending news around leagues, players, teams, and much more. Now, all you got to do is get comfortable and kick back because we're about to get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode eight of Kick Back. And man, Liam, we probably say this every episode, but now the drama in football that has started to happen. It's actually insane. Sometimes I'm like, are we, I feel like we work for TMZ or I was saying the mirror UK uh, reporting on a lot of the stuff happening in football because it's just mayhem. Yeah. We're uh, settling into things. I think is a good way <laughs> yeah. to put it. Uh, things are getting a little nutty, maybe even a little unnecessary in some cases, yeah. but on the football side of things, we're right at the end of the transfer window too. So yes. rumors are juicing up. We got some of that today. And then signings going, like United paying everything in a bank account yeah. for a, a you know, a good player, I, I guess, you know. I'm so curious to see what you what you think about that. We'll yeah. get into that in a second. But first of all, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It was a, a busy, busy weekend, but things are good. Okay. Ed, FC Edmonton. Came yeah. back. Yeah, I didn't yeah, go, yeah. but Was made a funny video while he was there. So go check it out on the 90th minute TikTok if you haven't seen it. I think it did pretty well. It went like, like you know, low key viral. Yeah, I saw it at like twenty two thousand. Yeah, or something yeah, like that. yeah. Like, oh, that's oh, actually wow. pretty viral. I haven't yeah. seen it as of late. Then good stuff, yeah, guys. That was good. Good for Was. Way to go, Was. I know. Good job, Was. <laughs> good job, 90th minute team. Go follow us on all socials. Uh, we just pump wherever we can and wherever you consume your content. I'm sure we're doing something on the platform. Uh, but right now. I think the biggest, not the biggest news, but you know, Liverpool fans now think that they're going to win the champions league. Yeah. Uh, everything's, you know, good in, in Liverpool land and faith is restored in the team. And everyone loves Virgil van Dyke because he scored a goal. Just funny to see how, uh, with the weather, some fans go nothing against Liverpool fans, but it's true. Obviously a nine, nothing whooping on Burnmouth. <laughs> As we all expected, obviously we all saw them winning nine nil. Definitely. Um, do you know what? Right from the get-go, it was just go, go, go for Liverpool. It was crazy just to see the the no mercy. Literally until the final whistle went, they were trying really pushing for that 10th goal. And there was, you know, like City and Arsenal both was played Bournemouth yep. and couldn't, obviously you're not expecting every team to put nine goals by them, but... I just felt like this was like yeah. a big old, like it didn't really matter who Liverpool were playing this week. Someone was going to get beat up pretty bad. Just the way they were playing and 
it was exciting. It was a really exciting game, and like you would, you you would almost feel like there was just a ton of possession and almost that. But Bournemouth had a couple of chances too, and but Liverpool just, like I said, merciless annihilated them. It was so funny because um, I had that game on, I had uh, Bournemouth and Liverpool on, but I really mm. wanted to also keep up with City and Palace. Of course, these two right. games were on at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think after the third goal, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to follow that game on my on my phone and see what see apps what come, like the, the notifications from the Premier League come up and I just tuned into City and Palace, which I'm so glad that I did. We'll get into that game in a second. But I mean, 9 nothing for Liverpool, uh, obviously a horrible loss for Bournemouth and they played City, Arsenal, in Liverpool and com- and lost to a combined scoreline of 16 nothing. That's yeah. a very bad. When you just sit <laughs> sit objectively and you and that's all you know, you're like what the hell happened with this team? But they just played the big dogs. That's the thing. Like you can look at it and from there was obviously some big Bournemouth news today which eventually we'll talk yeah. about, but I don't know what the expectation was. Obviously, to concede 16 goals in three games is far from ideal. Unacceptable, I'd but, say. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I suppose you were nine in one game. Yep. But, you know, they, they won their first game of the season against Aston Villa and put together like pretty good performance. And now this next run of games for them, they have Wolves, Nottingham Forest, Brighton, Newcastle. Like By no means is that an easy run. But... You would expect better performances and more of a, especially like when you lose 9-0, like the next game is so big. I feel yeah. like that's almost, it's almost, um, I don't know how to word it, but in a sense of like, you almost expect a, a win in a way. Cause like, you have to. yeah, like you have to you just come out and you're like, okay, well it literally cannot get worse than what just happened. Uh, uh, you know, I think bringing up Aston Villa at the beginning of the season is, is noteworthy because in my opinion, and we have to just be realistic. They won their only winnable game. Yeah. Right. I mean, they got the job done where they could, when you're playing city, who's absolutely on another level right now, Arsenal, a top team in the premier league, Liverpool, who we know is going to bounce back if they have not already injuries, obviously are in the situation as well. But I'm not excusing a nine nothing win because like a nine nothing loss. Cause like I said, that's unacceptable in a football match. That's a hockey score. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did win the game that they could win and they could have lost to Aston Villa. They could be four losses in a row right now, but they're not. And now all of a sudden we hear that the club fired Scott Parker. And I know there, there are a lot of speculation that it's outside of just results, but I'm just like, this guy helped Bournemouth get out of relegation, get into the Premier League, basically got that helped get that promotion for the club and to be sacked after four games, despite what might be going out on outside of the results. I just don't know how I feel about it. And it makes me think that it's a small club with maybe big problems. Yeah, it's um, I was shocked. Yeah, me too. Which is funny to say after a nine nothing loss, but I just didn't see this coming at all. It just felt like he knew what kind of needed to be done. And like, he's a, he's a very passionate person. Scott Parker, when he was a player is very passionate and you can see it as a manager. Like he came out on uh, on Saturday in his post game and said, this is the hardest game of his entire career. And this is guys who's played for England. He's played in the champions league. Yeah. Like he's played huge games. And he said, this was, this was like the toughest stretch of games he's ever been part of. And I just really thought, they were all going to rally and get going again on this next run. But I really just don't think this was about results. I do think this was about Scott Parker's comments on 
needing more money and saying the squad wasn't good enough and stuff like that. And I think eventually the owner just kind of got sick of hearing it. And it's interesting because they, so they invested around 30 million this year into the team with a few decent signings, but I think every, like you look at all the predictions that happened around, yeah. like everybody had Bournemouth in 20th this yeah. season. So I just don't know what the expectation of the owner is now in the sense of like, just show some belief in your manager. And I like we don't know what happened behind the scenes, but if Scott Parker, my assumption is he's gone to the board multiple times asking for money. And that's why he's now saying it to the media to maybe put a bit more pressure on the board. And they've turned around and say, no, we, we run this club. Like we'll tell you when we're spending the money, not you tell us yeah. when to spend the money. I mean, maybe it is a thing of egos, which would not surprise me. And Liam, you bring up an excellent point. My, my only question hearing that is, if Bournemouth didn't lose the games that they did and have that nine nothing loss, let's say they they have right now uh, two wins, two draws. Yep. Is this happening? No. So that's what I'm like. It's yeah. bullshit in my opinion for them to do that to him because he didn't lose to Southampton. You know, he he lost to City, Arsenal, and Liverpool. These are teams that, again, realistically, we knew they were going to lose to. And of course, in the Premier League, there's always surprises, but you just got to be at some point in time realistic. And I think that if the results weren't the way they were, the guy would still be a manager. We wouldn't be talking about this right now. So it makes me wonder if the, it just makes, in my opinion, it makes the club and ownership look bad right now. And you know that they need that win, just like you said, Liam, after that nine, nothing loss mm -hmm. with all of the drama going around in that club right now, is that possible? I don't know. Like that's, <laughs> that's the thing, isn't it? Like it feels like they're back at home tomorrow against Wolves, which will be big. Yeah. Being back at home is just for any team is, is positive Eat after it. a result yeah. like that. So we'll kind of see Gary O'Neill, who was one of the one of the on staff with Scott Parker, former Baltimore. Um <laughs> he's now the intern caretaker manager there. And we'll see what they kind of do. There's a lot of speculation around Sean Dyche being the next manager who was with Burnley for all that time. And I do think that would fit the mold of the squad that uh, Bournemouth have and he yeah. has experience of being on a low budget but it just the first season being in the Premier League is always tough when you come back up and Fulham experienced that a few years ago when they went right back down Norwich experienced it every other year when they come back up and Bournemouth I just don't know if Sean Dyche is a sustainable piece in the puzzle I feel like Scott Parker was a very ambitious manager who wanted to push the team up the table and he's been in the Premier League before with Fulham and yep. kind of ran into a similar issue where they had spent so much money before and then didn't want to spend it again and now now you're in a situation with Bournemouth and he's like, I've done this before like I know this isn't going to go well and he's young manager but he's experienced at the same sense and I just don't know the direction of Bournemouth right now it feel it almost feels like they've given up on the season already and they just want to go down re-bolster the squad again to come back up in well that'd be two seasons now and then have a real go at it then and it's just like well you're here now you're what if you never get back honestly and if i'm a player and i'm hearing that i'm like why would i ever want to play for your club yeah yeah it's, honestly i'm like why would true. i ever want to join a club that wants to go back down to like rebuild to come back up i'm like i want to be in a club that's in it who's in the prem and is fighting for a spot yeah and that's just where now i'm like i think the club kind of messed up because the players are in a difficult position to kind of turn everything around real quick. Now, thankfully, like you said, they're taking on Wolves. They're in 19th place. So hopefully that's a win for them on, you know, home 
I was going to say home ice. <laughs> I still got my hockey brain on, you know, on their own turf, but just a weird situation. And I, I don't know. I feel for Scott Parker because the way it all went out after the nine, nothing blowout. And maybe sometimes managers do have the right to ask for more money to ask for them to, you know, get some players, maybe the way Scott Parker went about it. We don't know the ins and outs of the situation. I still don't like the way it looks as a whole from the club and ownership. Yeah. And I guess to put a little prediction on Bournemouth, I really think they'll just still struggle to be honest. Wow. Like Wolves next. Wolves are a good team. They just can't score goals. They're so <laughs> weird. Like then you have Forrest at the city ground and they were really good on Sunday against Tottenham at home and they got a win against West Ham. And then you have Brighton and Newcastle. I think after that is where it, maybe it's a little easier. Like this, October is going to be huge for them. Like Brentford at home, Leicester at home, Fulham away, Southampton at home. Like you have to get wins in October. Oh yeah. But you've also got to find some momentum from these next four games to get those wins. And in the middle of not having a manager. Yeah. And it, it's, <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird spot to be in. It's a really weird spot. Now, if this had happened in, let's say even end of October, Oh, even in this September, I think we're in a totally different conversation right oh now. Oh my goodness. That's my whole point. I'm like, dude, they're four games in. Yeah. If they were 14 games in, I'm like, okay. If, yeah. if you know, nine, nothing happens again. If five, nothing happens again, and there's no changes at some point, that's your responsibility as a manager. But we're four games in taking on some of the best teams in the Premier League. Yeah, they really... Whoever made the schedule for the Premier League this season is just clearly not a fan of Bournemouth. <laughs> <laughs> bias is real. They have had it tough. Okay, Celtic versus Dundee United, also 9 nothing game. Like, what happened in football? These are hockey scores, guys. Like, nine to score nine goals in a football match, one team's playing and the other team's sleeping. Well, I believe this was a record for the Scottish Premier League, most goals in a game. And the Scottish Premier League, like is in a, such a weird spot and it has been for a while. It's just Celtic and Rangers who yeah. kind of fight for it. But Dundee are a very respectable team. Like I, I believe, let me double check here, but I'm pretty sure they were, they were, yeah, they were finished fourth last season. That's okay. a, they're a European team in Scotland and like to beat them nine, nothing. Like that's, I think that's on such, not based off teams, but based off, the way the league is structured, but that, that's so different than Liverpool being Bournemouth. Yeah. So different. And Sky's Premier League, like I said, it's in a weird spot and it's not a good luck when you have the team who just dominates every year anyway, beating a very respectable team. Now, granted, they're not had the best start of the season. I believe they're last. Dun yeah, they're last with a minus 16. Dundee? Yeah, Dundee's yeah. last two goals, 18 against, nine of those in one game. Well, so. that's what they said, 23 goals in their last four matches. Yeah. I mean, they've let in 23 goals in their last four matches. Yeah. It's, uh, Are they playing with a back line? I don't know is their goalkeeper goal awake <laughs> respectfully and they, they fired their manager as well this morning or maybe it was yesterday like uh, either way you both imagine? managers who lost nine nothing are now out the door that's the that's the standard now across across football if you lose nine nothing yeah. games that's it you're out it's um I guess like a, an interesting point I saw on Twitter I can't remember who tweeted but Someone said it's like if this had happened in the Bundesliga or League One, we with wouldn't the, with the Liverpool. Like the Scottish Premier League isn't on par with any of the top five leagues, but like the Liverpool result, like we would be calling those leagues so many names. And hmm. on that side of things, PSG and Bayern Munich didn't win this weekend; they both drew. 
honestly, and this was, you know, I made a, I always, <laughs> I always follow the entertainment side of football too. I love talking about that. And obviously Messi being subbed off in the 87th minute mm. caused an uproar in the football world. And here's the, the problem I had with that with PSG is people are saying Messi didn't play his best game, but let's say, let's be honest, Messi's off game is still probably better than 90% of the players on yeah, the field. Definitely. People are saying, okay, they wanted to rest him. Who the hell rests a player at 87 minutes? If you want to rest him, don't put him in for the second half or take him off at 60 minutes. Him getting pulled off at the 87th minute was so uniquely strange to me because mm. I'm like something had to have, like something more had to have happened. Plus Messi's face kind of said it all. Messi's a game changing kind of player. Just like we saw with Harry Kane at the end of the Chelsea Tottenham game, he played like shit the entire time. I barely knew he was on the field, but what does he do in the last second of the game? He scores an unbelievable header and Tottenham ties the game. So Messi has that same capability, not yeah. to mention he hit the post in the game. He's the one who assisted the ball to Neymar before he got taken down on the penalty, which was their only goal of the game. Why are you taking off arguably your best player on the team when you're tied to Monaco? Yeah, and... <laughs> the thing is about the French league as well. There's very few teams that you're going to be competitive with. And now you guys, teams like Marseille, Nice will probably be good. Like Lille, even though they yeah. beat them seven one, like <laughs> Monaco should be good, decent as well. But like, there's so many other games where it's like, well, we could probably sub them off at 60 minutes and we're already 100. winning four nothing. Like we've already seen it so many times this season with PSG. And it just, I just don't know who you bring in off the bench to, like you said, like make uh, a better move. Now, if, granted, if you're if they're winning two one yeah. and they're trying to hold yes. on to the lead, it's totally different. But you weren't winning. Like Messi can, like you said, like the hurricane thing. Like he can do anything at any time to win you a football game. It makes no sense to me, and it kills me when people are like, "Oh, maybe the coach wanted to rest him." I'm like, "Yo, he has five minutes of rest then. Like that's literally five minutes of rest time." And if he was playing like such shit that everyone was alluding to, then don't put him on the second half. I, just, I mean, yeah. and again, Messi's shit is like someone else is great. I mean, I don't yeah. get it. Just looking at the game ratings from from the uh, Monaco game Messi was the highest rated forward for PSG he was only a 7.2 which is fairly average for Messi but Mbappe was 6.5 Neymar was 6.9 the, the only player better than him on PSG according to this was a Hakimi at 7.5 okay we're 1000% clipping that yeah. because that's <laughs> stats don't lie to yeah. everyone who wants to because everyone came at me saying Neymar is the best player and I'm not saying anything against Neymar I think Neymar's found another level this season mm -hmm. which we all want to see but at the end of the day we all know that the quote unquote goat of the PSG team is Messi Messi wasn't subbed off in the 7-1 win over Lille he was. I, uh, he also wasn't subbed off in the first game against Claremont, I don't believe, and he also wasn't subbed off in the five-two win right. over um, Montpellier. Okay. So that's the first time he's been subbed all season. Um, yeah, he wasn't subbed off against Claremont in the first game. So he's, that's the first time in four games he's been subbed off this season. And in the other games, it was five nothing. Montpellier game was five-two to PSG. Lille was seven-one to PSG. Okay. And the one game they have competitive. It wasn't, he wasn't subbed. TikTok trolls, YouTube trolls were coming for you because Liam's just about to spit some facts at y'all, right? But yeah, I mean, 
Bayern too. I, I don't know. Did you, so my, so Mikey was watching that game and he was like, this game's nuts. Sadio Mane had two goals that were called offside. Oh really? Yeah. I, I didn't catch this game actually. I usually watch my European games on a Wednesday. And the team that they were playing, um, because I wasn't watching too Munching closely. Gladbach. Yeah. Oh, Munching Gladbach. Yeah. Their goalie was unreal. 19 saves. Their goalie it was, was uh, unfreaking. The, the, the stuff he was saving was, was incredible. I'm like, yeah. yo, like what's he, he's just awesome. Yeah. Um, I believe and now I saw this on TikTok, so take this for what it's worth. <laughs> that was um, a record. 19, 19 saves, I think he made in the game. That is unreal. Yes, no, it was unreal. And Bayern definitely started to put heat on from at least the point in time that I came to watch, which might have been the last 20 minutes of the game. But, I mean, yeah, it was just uh, for, for the big teams in the quote-unquote Farmers League. <laughs> They face some adversity. Interesting week. Bayer Leverkusen won to end in their little streak of being horrendous. Yeah. Um, but Jan Sommer, who is the Bruce Imogen Gladbach goalie, I just want to give him a quick shout out for being probably the most underrated, I'm going to say player in the Ooh. world of football right now. This guy just shows up in huge ways. Like he did it for Switzerland at the Euros as well. And now... Borussia Mönchengladbach aren't the team they've been in the past, but they're a very respectable team. And for him to come out and make that many saves against Bayern Munich is it's historic, and honestly. There are saves and there are big saves. And this guy yeah. took like the big saves and also the heat of the moment because Bayern was really pressing mm -hmm. and he found a way to deny them to in the yeah. dying minutes of the game, which yeah. you know is not easy. Because they scored, I think it was the final 10 minutes. Uh, yeah. Sa Leroy Sané scored, right? So, yes, yes. Um, Bayern Sorry. Munich, I, I'm glad. I'm really glad they didn't win. Like, I don't have anything against Bayern Munich. They're a very fun team to watch. And I like the way the the team is ran in a way and the players they have are exciting. And But I like to see them not win every yeah. single game. Bit of competitiveness never hurt nobody. Oh, and I think it's healthy for them prior to their Champions League games. You mm -hmm. don't want to peak too early. You don't want to blow out every single team you're playing in the Bundesliga and then go into the Champions League and start losing everything. Maybe, and I say this respectfully because I really do think Bayern's a great team with great players. Maybe they had to be a little humbled before they enter, you know, some Champions yeah. League play. Yeah, well, I kind of... Leads into a nice little topic of Romelu, Romelu Lukaku, yeah, who Bayern Munich play in Champions League in two weeks. Like. Which, yeah, which we probably won't see. And we probably won't see him for the Milan Derby, Derby this weekend either, which sucks because I was looking forward to that. They were saying he could be out until the end of September. Damn. So that would mean he would miss four Serie A games, including the Milan Derby, and then miss two Champions League games against Bayern Munich and Victoria Plaza. But not but Barcelona. Not Barcelona, which okay. is a big one for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so while we, we got these two teams uh, that we're talking about, Barcelona, obviously, Lewandowski just raising havoc. This guy's not skipped a beat. It's a uh, new team, same Lewandowski. Scored now four goals in three games. Yeah. Does your hot take on Barcelona not getting out of that group stage of the Champions yeah. League still apply with Lukaku potentially not playing as much? Um, do you know what? No, I, I, I'm going to stand by it. Good, stand by your take. I think that Inter Milan have enough backup. Like, Edin Dzeko still a really good player. Yep. He had 13 goals last season on Inter Milan with uh, Martinez next to him. Inter's still a good team. Bayern Munich, uh, sorry, Barcelona, I want to see them against a really strong opponent. So this weekend they play Sevilla, okay. which will be a bit more of a test for them. But we're not going to see it until they play 
Bayern Munich on September 13th in the Champions yeah. League. And that's the, really the biggest game of the season so far. Like Real Sociedad, they played, but they're not what they were as well. And the La Liga is... Um, it's hard to judge. Like you take the Premier League, for example, we've really seen Manchester City be pushed to the limits and seen what mm-hmm. they'll be able to do. Now in back-to-back weeks with Newcastle and Crystal Palace, like we haven't seen that from Barcelona yet. Like, True. And I think now with the Champions League, like it's just, like you said, it's with the Bayern thing. Like you kind of get humbled a little bit where Bayern, uh, Barcelona, I, I think they'll just get humbled in the Champions League, which could stumble them up a little bit more. I know a lot of people online don't like that take because they see Barcelona right now and they see their backline, their midfield, their strikers, their their manager really kind of being these puzzle pieces that fit together, even their transfers who came in the summer. But I'm Liam, I have this gut feeling that you're right because... I feel like they're a little bit of a roller coaster ride. And just because yeah. they might be on a high, high right now, because Lewandowski is a goal scoring machine, I don't know if they can do it when it counts in like the in the big league, which is the Champions League. Yeah, and that's what that's all I want to see is Yeah, like, we might be wrong. Yeah, hey, I'm fine with being wrong. Me too. I really don't Absolutely, care. Absolutely, like, me too. Um, there there's no denying the talent that team has. Like Unreal. Patrick, Lewandowski, Dembele. Gavi. They're their back line now. The, the, yeah, the, it's getting it's, better. It feels like every time they are allowed to get a player registered, it's a lot. It gets better. So honestly. We'll see. I'm really excited to see them play in the Champions League. And the fact we get to watch them play Bayern Munich and the Lewandowski reunion. Like Thomas Muller's video was funny. Did you see that so one? That was good. Like, Lewandowski, see you in Munich. Yeah. I'm like, yo, the way I just love football because I feel like sometimes football have, have these superstars that aren't afraid to say something like Alfonso Davies is so active on social media mm-hmm. and whatnot that it just adds to the plot of it all. Like yeah. it, I feel like we sometimes live in a movie with football. It's um, there's just so many characters, right? And <laughs> it's so different to um, like the leagues we're used to in North America where there's just the one league. Yeah. And that's it. All the best players play in that league. It's like, no, with football, they play everywhere. They play all, like Gareth Bale plays for LAFC right now. <laughs> and like, granted, he's he's definitely not the player he was, but he's still a great footballer. And we get to see that all the time. Lewandowski's in La Liga. Then you have Davies in uh, the Bundesliga. And then Messi in La Liga. And then you have that endless talent in the Premier League. Like now Holland's coming over and just lighting it up. And it's, it's just like... It's awesome. And the Champions League is just a nice little added dose to all of that. Well, like you said, Tuesday, September 13th, one o'clock PM mountain time. I am making sure that whatever we have for work that day, Liam is done. Well, my gosh, that's, that's basically podcast time. Yeah. Uh, so we'll record our podcast and I'm, I'm going home. We're going home and I'm maybe ordering nachos, maybe Ooh. some pizza, maybe some wings and thoroughly enjoying what we're about to see. It's a good idea. Actually, maybe I'll get a nice pizza on that. Why, day. why not? Hey, treat well. ourselves. We work hard and like we should sit and <laughs> yeah. watch and I'm going to have my laptop open. I'm sure I'll be texting Liam being like, you were right. Or <laughs> man, we were wrong. Hopefully not, but we'll see. It's some fun football matches coming up. There's uh one team I want to talk about. You mentioned them very brief, briefly, Manchester city Mm -hmm. you know i was very excited for this game i actually had a hot take putting crystal palace in to win yeah and i was so excited in that first half because i'm like they're up they're up it was and they played well and they did yeah the the problem was is they couldn't sustain it and i think them not having zaha was just was if they had zaha i wonder if the game would have looked different for them yeah 
What scares me about Manchester City in like the best way possible is that this isn't the first time this season that they've come back from being down a goal. and two goals. Two goals. And they obviously have work to do and there's lessons to be learned about how not to concede these goals early in the game. But what's scary in the best way possible and things that, and something that a team should be fearful about is they have the ability to mentally come back in a game and not only come back, but establish dominance on the pitch and find a way to completely take the other team out of the game after being down a goal or two. Yeah, they. Um, it is frightening to see how right? well Pep has figured out how to adjust <laughs> and get the best out. Of it. Like Phil Folden was playing left back for some of that game, yes. and it was just like, oh, you're just you're just gonna run that risk, hey? Okay? And he just just knew that his team was just gonna have the ball the entire time, and didn't it didn't really matter to be honest who was playing left back or right back. And like for parts of the game, it looked like Kyle Walker was playing center midfield. Like the, it's scary to kind of see what they're able to do on a weekly basis and right. it doesn't matter the opponent like we were praising Patrick Vieira in a similar way last yes. week of how he's able to do it with his team and like Pep's able to do it with just the, the best team in the world to be honest and put them in any situation and I guarantee they'll come out on top honestly and you know my take last week on the show was that Real Madrid could win the Champions League over a team like City because of their experience. But the more and more City do things like this, I'm like, is anyone mentally tougher than them right now? Because let's also keep in mind, we're a month into the Premier League. Yeah. What what do, what do they look like when they're a month away from, from winning the Premier League title? Like these guys haven't had that much time to play with each other in an actual intense football match. What are they going to look like when they've had more time? Yeah, we might only be a month away from them actually winning the Premier League if they carry on. Uh, Honestly, seriously. And the rest of the league keeps going the way it is. And just looking at their upcoming fixtures, yeah, in the Premier League, they have Nottingham Forest at home, Aston Villa away. Tottenham, September 10th, will be the big one for both teams. And I just don't see, and I I like Tottenham. I just don't know how they're going to compete because Tottenham's a team as well who just doesn't doesn't keep possession. Like they just don't, not the way they play. Yeah. And City's just going to walk around them. Like it's going to take a lot for Tottenham to to do anything against City and with that being said like we think Tottenham are one of the best teams in the Premier League so it's like is this good or bad like I don't know because I feel like this City team might be the best team the Premier League has ever seen and like obviously Alex Ferguson's Manchester United teams the invincible Arsenal's like there's been special teams but there's just something about this team that makes me the sky's the limit like I just don't know I just don't see when they're gonna lose and you know what's scary is, and I, I say scary again in the very, like, for me not being a fan of City, as just a fan of football, it's super entertaining and you got to, you know, respect it, is that teams have to peak at the right time in the World Cup, in the Champions League, in whatever tournament you're playing in. But City's finding a way to win these games and I don't even think they're peaking because they're coming back from being a goal or two down. Yeah. Like they're, they're, do, they're making mistakes on the field that put them in a position to lose the game. After the first half against Crystal Palace, I said, holy shit, Crystal Palace is going to do it. Th- and then the second half they came out and Crystal Palace, honest to God, looked like they were playing with a man down. Yeah, they did. And you look at the two goals Palace scored, they were direct mistakes from City. Yes. Like Palace, like yes. the header, their own goal obviously yeah. is... Is what I'll it is, it. <laughs> yeah. And then the header by Anderson was a, a great header. And honestly, he deserved a goal with the way he's played the first three games of the season. But 
Kyle Walker just left him, but it also maybe was a good little set piece play, like thrown in almost a pick and roll in a way, and Anderson in up. But Kyle Walker just left him, and then you know you get into the dressing room, and it's almost just like they just throw it out the window. I know, like they have such an easy way to brush everything off. It's like what's the saying? Um, water off a duck's back is that the thing? I th- I'm Something the worst like person that. to ask about <laughs> yeah. these, but I always mess but, those up. But essentially, it just means it's like. Who cares? Yeah, well, we're the best team in the world. We're going to win this game, and that just feels like the mentality. And is if you're any other team in the league, you're like, oh shit! Like, what are we hundred? I mean, even in the Champions League, and I'm with you, Liam. I have no problem being wrong. I said that I think Real Madrid will come down to experience, where I think Man City will be maybe shitting themselves. But I don't know if that's the case because as time goes on, I'm just like they're mentally strong. I mean, Holland said after the game, it's a mentality that we trust each other and we know the chances will come. It's about keep, it's about keeping going. They're down two goals and they're like, okay, we still have X amount of minutes left in this game. We can do it with the players we have. That's a level of confidence, trust alluding to Holland and just mental toughness that may not be able to be like, you might not be able to compete with that. Yeah. And like you said, you look around at the players like that they have and, just to highlight Erling Haaland, obviously had a hat trick, but like not normal. Like three very different goals. The second one, the header on his, the movement on his header, the way he kind of bopped back into the box and then jumped up to kind of go get it to like get initial power on it was great. I obviously the second goal was probably the easiest goal ever scored in his life, and then the third one just to kind of just run right through with his strength and speed. He's just such a I I don't know how you stop him right now, and like like I said, looking at these upcoming fixtures, like I'm I'm curious to see what he does against like a Liverpool, for example. Like we'll see. Like we saw the Community Shield, and like take that for what it is. It's basically a glorified friendly, in my opinion. But Van Dyke, when he finally gets into form and they play Liverpool, which is I don't even know. Oh, it looks like it's late in the year. Whenever it is. How is he going to perform against that? Like, I want to see him against a really, really tough defender in the Premier League and just see the, I just want to see the battle. Me you know? too. I want to see how he goes. I want to, it's like the Joachim Anderson and when he was with Darwin Nunes, just shut him down. I was actually a little curious going into this one and he did a good job in the first half and then just, it was, those are world-class players. How do you even, how do you even right. contain him for so long? Well, the good thing for Holland is, is he has now uh, six goals in the Premier League. So he leads the Premier League in goals. Kane's behind him with four. So maybe by the time he gets to a team with a really good defender, he's already had that confidence in the Premier mm. League. I mean, let's remember guys, this is his first season playing in English football. Like yeah. he's already established himself as maybe one of the most threatening strikers in the league. Yeah. And and this is, you know, four games in, which is kind of scary and three goals in 19 minutes. It's not an easy thing to do. So I think Holland deserved man of the match. Is there anything else you want to say about him? Because I'm, I'm um, shit. I was just going to say one quick thing yeah. that... Um, what would you say? You're gonna Am I going to talk about shift? Oh, I thought you were I'm not going to. No, could you imagine? <laughs> I was like, he's got a hat trick, Caroline. <laughs> no. Um, I was going to say, sometimes when players go into Pep Guardiola's system, it takes literally a full season for yeah, them to really thrive. Point. Like we saw it with Grealish. Like he wasn't, the people were upset with the amount of money they spent on him and then the performances he put in. Like I think mm-hmm. this season we'll see the full Grealish. And like for Haaland to come in and to score six goals so quickly is very impressive. It's, it's why I put my hot take in that he's going to be 
uh, golden, golden boot, boot by the yeah. end of the season. I hope, and this is all depending on injuries, right? Like we got to hope that a guy of his size and his muscle mass and, and how long the season is, including champions league, that he stays healthy, mm-hmm. but man, he looks crazy. I also want to say with, I think it was city second goal where they were playing that really nice football in the box. Yeah. As easy as they made them that look, that's it's not so, an easy thing to so do. Hard. It made me laugh that John stones was the last guy to finish it off. He's like the center back. He's yeah. like, what are you doing up there? Uh, but also it was just kind of like, like you said, like, you look at it and they make it look so simple. It is incredibly difficult to yeah. even pass the ball half the time for me. So honestly, same. Honestly, same. Uh, obviously for me, Holland was the man of the match hat trick saved the day for Manchester city, but also one guy who I think was, I don't know. I'd still say he's my MVP was Bernardo Silva for many reasons, but in that, game specifically just the amount that this guy can create how much of the pitch he covered and how easy he makes it look he orchestrated essentially the entire game it's such a joy to watch and this is why i love dissecting midfielders because at the end of that game someone would look at the scoreline and say holland was the uh was the man of the match because he scored that hat trick but until you actually watch the game and if you know football you know that bernardo silva and his performance basically elevated man city against crystal palace and maybe if he wasn't there in that squad i'm not saying that city wouldn't have won but i think the game would have looked a lot different yeah he's just a, such a game-changing kind of player exactly why pep said absolutely no to barcelona when they wanted him but he's a midfielder that i just i've always loved to watch but i think it was just very apparent of what his skill set was like in, in that crystal palace game yeah five key passes for bernardo silver in that game just uh He's a special player. I agree. He got an 8.1 rating in the game. Yeah. So, yeah. There you what go. did it's Holland fair. get? 9.3. I mean, when you score three goals, it's going to boost it yeah, a little 100. bit. But yeah, um, 16 touches in the game, three goals. <laughs> He's such a funny player. Like, it's, you know, it's funny because we were talking about Lewandowski and I looked and I believe he had like 44 touches in their win on Saturday. And... He scored two goals, and you come and look at Haaland, 16 touches of the ball, three goals. So, well, they're clearly using him for one thing, and it's, right. and it's working. Like, no, I'm not saying anything bad about Haaland. It's just, it's funny because they're both regarded as like the best goal yeah. scorers in the world, and it's just that difference. Um, didn't, was it one Premier League game where he only had two passes? Yeah, so he had eight touches of the ball and two passes. Um, one of them was the kickoff yeah, to start I a game. I remember that. And the second one was an assist to Gundogan. Oh, Gun- well, that's how you at least it. he made yeah, a, like a one pass. Yeah. Both like, passes were essential to the game. Hey, so the one you can't knock them. About Holland. Yeah. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, quickly, because I, I don't know, I feel like time flies on this podcast. Yeah, what do we know? 36 minutes? Huh? Yeah, we, we got to uh, head to United. And their big signing, which everyone's been talking about. Anthony, obviously, coming from Ajax, a guy who's played under Ten Hag, a guy that Ten Hag's wanted since he's came to United for obvious reasons. We know what he brings to the pitch in a football sense. Very talented player. But I think outside of football, what he brings to this United team is an extreme amount of passion, mental toughness, uh, a side of the emotional game that I think United seriously and critically need right now. I think he's mm. a good player for United and should help them kind of get to another level mentally, which is I think where they've been struggling and, and many other areas, but is he worth the price point have United overspent with him? Yes. 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 He's not <laughs> worth the money, but also yes, they needed him pretty desperately. And if this turns out for a f with a few trophies for United, no one will, no one will care. Like no one's going to care about it all. And obviously, if it doesn't, then we've got another Harry Maguire on our hands and Paul Pogba. And you know, it just it felt like a very necessary move for United, just for a pure depth yep. perspective on things. Like now, their front three can be Anthony will play on the right side. Jaden Sancho will play on the left. And I actually thought Sancho played pretty well against Southampton from what I saw on the left-hand side. He seemed to be playing a lot more confident with the ball, running at players and trying to create some stuff. And then you probably have Rashford and Martial down the middle. So we'll see how that kind of plays out. But this feels like Ten Hag now doesn't have any excuses. He's got a lot of the players he wants. Martinez, Eriksen, Malasio, who I really like. Casemiro. Casemiro, yeah. Um, Anthony, of course. So now there's five players. And I think even like Casemiro had a brief cameo with Denny in Southampton. But just those three, the first three I named, like they've all had a good impact on this team now, like back-to-back -back wins. And they're showing some passion. And I think that's what United has really missed exactly. the last few years. And it's... it's um, it's good to see them have that, I suppose. Like They weren't great against Southampton by any means. It was a fairly even game for where both teams mm -hmm. expected to be. So we'll see. I think this helps United in, in a way too that like Alanga doesn't have to play as much. Yep. I think he's a promising player, but he's kind of been thrown in the deep end with injuries that happened last season and now injuries happening again and lack of depth. So, so yeah, Anthony, not worth the money. But at the end of the day, who cares? It's not your money. <laughs> Honestly, I know, right? I, 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 because everyone's been asking me, what do you think? What do you think? And I'm like, this is such a specific situation that I don't know what to think until I can see yeah. how he performs. And, and if the, the, the combination of all the players that Ten Hogs brought in can change what's going on in United. So it could very well be one of the best things United's done and also the worst. I know that's easy to say. It's easy to say it could go either way. 
But based on what we know from, you know, the Dutch league, this guy's a guy with passion. He works in every game he plays in. That might be what United needs. At the same time, if there's more going on at United beyond just the football and the football players, they this is a like a rebuild problem. So did they overspend? We'll see. But at the same time, they're kind of desperate. So in desperate times, call it for desperate measures. And if you have to overspend, you overspend. So, and other clubs know that United's desperate. So didn't Ajax reject United's first offer? I think there was three rejected. They said they wanted a hundred million the entire time. And then United just kept offering less and less and less. And then eventually just got to the point where it's like, well, we ever do this or we just sit here with what we've got and that's not going to be satisfactory. Business is business, right? Like teams know what's going on in United. So we'll see. United fans, I know some some were super excited. I was reading a lot of comments and forums online. Some were like, this is a ridiculous amount uh, to pay for him. Uh, But we will see when the dust settles. And I think he should be playing on Thursday against Leicester. He yeah. should be allowed to play. I think he should be registered to play. He hasn't played the last two games for Ajax, so we'll see if he... I doubt he would start the game. I mean, United have won back-to-back games now. They probably will just stay with what they've got. Maybe Casemiro comes in, which I think will I be... I would love to see that. I think it's so necessary. Like, just watching that Southampton game, like, you know, I, I've tried to stay positive on McTominay in some sense of things, but he's just not... He just can't play in that system. He doesn't he doesn't give enough options to the defenders to then progress the ball yeah. forward. And I think Ericsson needs to play a little higher of the field and having Casemiro there to like be that option to progress the ball. And even if he's I'm not saying he's gonna kick the ball to the wingers, like give him all this space and everything like that, like down the field, all these progressive passes, but like just the little ones. Yeah. To get it to from Martinez to Casemiro, then to like Ericsson or Fernandez, and let those two do what they got to do. And like, McTominay just doesn't do that. Casemiro will. Final thing on Anthony, he is, I think he's just going to really put a spark in this team. I would love to see it. Yeah, I think he's a, he's a great playmaking winger, really good at pressing, which shows like mm-hmm. hard work ethic. And we said it the other day too, like, that's what United fans want to see is just an effort. Obviously, results matter massively for a team like that, but a good effort. And just some skill and passion on the field. And the last two games, I think United fans have seen that a little bit more, which should should be a sign of better times to come. I think that's a great point. Uh, talking about players on the bench, Casemiro. First of all, Casemiro needs to play. Yeah. We didn't. We didn't see him leave Real Madrid to like slowly transition into United. He's he's one of the top footballers in his position. Put him in. He'll do just fine. Yeah, and I think. I think it was fair for Ten Hag to keep the same lineup for against Southampton, but now you look at it as like, it's hey, time. Mc, McTominay didn't do enough to keep his spot. Casemiro, time to time to go play, my friend. Does Ronaldo come on the pitch too? Does is Ronaldo there come Thursday? I, do you know, what? I I think just the right thing to do is move on. Like I know we're going to talk about him going to Napoli potentially, but wherever he goes, like just. Let's get this over with. The saga's done. Like you're, we'll see. Like they make it. Like Ten Hag in his interviews makes it seem like Ronaldo still wants to be part of Manchester United, which I think, I think truly he does want to be part of the team. Like that was the team that made him who he is today. Yeah. But I also think he knows if he wants to continue his legacy of like Champions League goals and all this kind of stuff, like he needs to leave. And I, I do think right now their relationship is just sour with the fans, especially that she's so unfortunate. Is, it is. And it's probably fair for him to go. And it sounds like it'll only be alone. So maybe next season he comes back and he's 
they figure something out. And I, I don't know, we'll, we'll kind of see, but the Napoli, Napoli's interesting. Oh, you know what? So many people are like, oh, if Ronaldo goes there, that's it. That's the end of his career. I might be the only one in the world who would actually love to see it. I, I yeah, I wouldn't hate it. Like yeah. I, it'd be, it'd be, um, it'd be a different flavor of Ronaldo. I think we'll see what happens. But when he was in uh, Serie A with Juventus, who granted was right at the top at the time and 81 goals in 98 games, like, Ronaldo just wants to play Champions League. He'd play for Victor Victoria Pleasant if they don't <laughs> have to pay him. So I think that's all it is for Ronaldo at this point. I don't think a different league scares Ronaldo at all. He's played, I oh. think, in four different clubs, four different leagues. Uh, you know, it's something he can absolutely handle. I think right now the latest report is that Ronaldo isn't necessarily sold on Napoli, despite mm -hmm. the fact that Napoli would offer him a Champions League spot. So I wonder if it's Ronaldo's camp being hesitant or Napoli's camp being hesitant because it's high risk, high reward for both Yeah, or no reward. Um, but I'd love to see Ronaldo go to Napoli because I'd love to see Napoli have the ability and potential to possibly win Serie A, which hasn't been done since Maradona yeah. to maybe compete for a champions league, which we said on our show, put an asterisk beside Napoli. Um, and Go to a go to a team where he's not going to sit on the bench. There's so much drama in United around him that I kind of want him to get out of it. But I say that, and if there's drama in Napoli, if he's on the bench, if he doesn't do what he's supposed to do, because we know that the pressure and the eyes are all going to be on him. I unfortunately for him, I think the next move after that would be Major League Soccer, and that's no yeah. disrespect to them to the MLS. That's just what what has happened with Ronaldo at this point in time? Yeah, I don't... Napoli, like I said, it feels like a weird spot. So Napoli's manager said no coach would say no to I Ronaldo. I saw that, yep. And there was a bit of an extended quote onto it, being like, if, you know, you're offered Ronaldo, why would you say no? But he did kind of go on about how the money and stuff like that might not work. So if I'm Napoli and I'm... If I'm Napoli, I don't know if I necessarily even want him because they just, they feel like they're in a bit of a transition phase right now in a sense to with so many players going out in the summer. And if you're Ronaldo, like you said, he's hesitant on the move and I, I would be as well. Like, yes, they have Champions League and I think they can do really well in the Champions League too. Like they're in uh, Liverpool's group and it seems like an, it'd be a very interesting relationship. I don't know if that's the right fit, but if that's the only fit, that teams want him like sports and Lisbon was another team in on him. Yep. I just, it would be cool. Yeah. It would be cool, but I just don't think Ronaldo wants to go home to sporting <laughs> because when te when players go back, it almost feels like the end. It's a retirement. Yeah. And I just, he thinks he's got some, some life left in him. I think he has some life left with him and I completely agree with you. It's just this weird situation where I'm like, you have life left in you, but are you going to really get off the bench at yeah. United because of all the stuff that's happening? Um, like the guy doesn't deserve to be on the bench, just like Messi doesn't. They're, these guys are by no means like in their sixties and don't deserve to play. Like they still have some left in the tank. He has the world cup coming up. He wants to play in champions league, but is Napoli the right fit? I would personally love to see it because I believe in Ronaldo and I think he could thrive. But if it does not go the way that we would want it to go for him, I don't know if there's like a way to revive his name after that. That Yeah. That's what's scary for it's, me. Um, and I think he knows that. I think he knows that too. Like he's obviously a smart, smart man. Um, he's built a brand for himself worldwide. Yeah. And I, he's, he's the most intriguing player in the world right now. And he's not even 
playing. <laughs> like, Isn't that interesting? It is funny, and it's I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I love watching Ronaldo play. I love seeing him at his best. Me too. We didn't see that against Brentford when he played this season. We mentioned it a few weeks ago when they played Liverpool. We didn't see it either. Felt a little selfish at times from him. But I want to see him. I want, and I, I also want to see him thrive in this United team. So we've only got a couple of days left to the transfer window. So time will tell if he's actually yeah. there or in Napoli. There was even talks about Juventus possibly. Like, oh, that'd be nuts. And, and fans would lose it if that happened. What about Inter Milan now that Lukaku's out? And like, the, here's the thing. Yeah, so this is- How about AZ Milan? Yeah. Not an How about any team in Italy? <laughs> the, I think it would work for him because it's a bit of a slower pace in Italy as well. That would suit him a bit more right now. But with Lukaku, like he's, all, he's not always injured, but he's regularly hurt, I guess is a yeah. fair way to put him. Like he's not- He's just that kind of player, isn't he? he plays physical. He's massive. Like there's a lot of yep. there's a lot of man on those bones, um, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. One hundred percent. I want to quickly randomly shift gears back to the prem okay. because I want to bring up Steven Gerrard. Yes. Because our, our genius insider here, Liam, predicted, I think before even the Prem started, it was episode one it or was two. Af- after the Bournemouth. Okay. After the Bournemouth game. He said there might be, and there's no disrespect, but there might be an issue with Gerard as a manager. Now, here we are with Aston Villa playing their next two games against Arsenal and Man City. And if they lose those next two games, he will become the worst manager in 148 years for the club. And that's the club's entire history yeah that's scary and obviously Aston Villa fans are not happy I know that a lot of players uh, people must have watched Gerard growing up myself included who think that he's legendary so there's no disrespect on his name but if you come into a manager role and this is the stat you're up against and you're taking on the two best teams in the Premier League and you don't win how do you climb yourself out of that I mean at that point he has to get sacked too, right, Liam? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to change pace a little bit okay. on my Gerard take. Okay. So I do not think he's the great manager okay. by any means. And I think this team is massively underachieving. Okay. Like, so they played Bolton the other week. We, we spoke about that briefly. And they basically, Bolton had the lead in that game. And they basically beat, the, beat Bolton on skill. They're just a better team, right? Okay. Like, it is what it is. So now you look at the West Ham game and I felt like they played a lot better. The goal they conceded was a little unfortunate, a bit of a, de- a deflection. And I want Gerard to get more time. And here's why. Like I love he, this. Go ahead. So I want to see what he can do against teams that he's, <laughs> I guess, up against in a okay. way. Like, the, like we expected them to go up against West Ham. They played well. They could have won that game. It easily could have ended as a draw. Like you said, Arsenal and City next really Yikes. could have been more difficult. But if, yeah, I'm, if I'm Aston Villa, I'm not making a knee-jerk reaction of those two results. After that, you have Leicester, Southampton, okay. Leeds, and Nottingham Forest. Now, if you come out of those four games okay. on the bad side, then I'm really, really questioning what we're doing here. Because this team... So this squad is good enough to be playing against like a West Ham and Newcastle, um, Brighton, Brentford, like those teams who are going to be up a mid table team. So I'm going to give him a little bit. I'm going to give him six games. So in six games, we'll come back to this. So that's three weeks from now and we'll see where they're at. Like I said, the, the thing for me with Gerard and his tactics are his two central defenders aren't good enough. They have the injury to Carlos, which is going to 
plagued him for a few more weeks here. But against West Ham, they weren't as flat. It felt like there was a bit more going forward. So it makes me believe that he has taken, I don't know if pride's even the right word, but he's taken a hit himself. I mean, okay, my original tactics aren't working. Let's try and do it this way. So we'll see. Maybe they'll put in a good performance against Arsenal and City and get some momentum. Oh my gosh, I hope so. Because uh, it's such a difficult... It's not similar to Scott Parker at all because Scott Parker took on the best teams and got sacked. Yes. You know, Aston Villa hasn't played the best teams and they've had a very Look, poor start, lost right? Lost to Scott Parker. Yeah, yeah they, exactly. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. great point. So I feel for Gerard. I think if Gerard wasn't Gerard, I would feel differently. But because he was such an iconic player for me growing up and hearing how he how he's taken on all the responsibility in the media. Like he yeah. said that he, as a player, he's dealt with high stress, high stress, high pressure situations. He's dealt with a lot of adversity in his career. And as a manager now, he takes this tough start to the season. It's all on his shoulders. I respect that. I do too. I respect that immensely. You can tell through his energy and e even just everything he's exuding that it's not been an easy few weeks for him to say the least. I hope that my hope right now is that either Arsenal or Man City, they're able to either get a draw or a, or a win. Uh, I don't know if he can survive two more losses. I would love for him to, but mm -hmm. I just having <laughs> those two losses potentially under his belt in the climate, climate that we're in, in the fact that he would now be the worst manager in Aston Villa history, I think it would be very tough for him to kind of recover from that. I think so too. And like both those games are this week. So I know. Arsenal's tomorrow and then Villa at City, sorry, City at Villa on Saturday. And I think he plays, uh, isn't Arsenal a home game? No, it's away. away. So it's City's at, at home. Stadium. Yeah, City's at home, Arsenal's <laughs> away. So you kind of would, you would want those the other way around. Yeah, 100% right? you like, would. So... <laughs> we'll see tomorrow. Tomorrow's a huge game for Villa. Um, just a quick thing on young English managers. So there's a lot of praise right now for Graham Potter and Eddie Howe, which is fully deserved. And then you get like the jobs they've done is great. But then you get like Frank Lampard, Gerard, and even Scott Parker to, in a sense. And there's more expectations to those players because of uh, so those managers because of how great they were as players. Hundred percent. So now these guys are sitting here, and it's just it feels different, and it feels I don't know if unfair is the right word. Like Gerrard's managed Rangers, Liverpool under twenty threes, I believe it was, and now Aston Villa. You've got to progress with these managers, and like I don't even think Gerrard has taken extreme steps in his managerial career of like. Like Lampard, for example, almost got Derby County promoted then immediately went to Chelsea. Like that is a yeah. huge step. Where like, I just want to see these guys kind of thrive a little bit. Like Lampard with Everton, like he's going to get more time because that Everton team isn't good. So he's going to be able to progress a little bit. But as the Everton manager, he has nine wins, 13 losses, four draws. Respectable. You know, and Gerard, I just, he just needs to get some momentum going. And I think once that momentum gets going, there's enough skill in the Aston Villa team to carry him across the line. Is Europe a possibility? Uh, I would say no at this point. However, I think pushing for a bottom of the top half, mid table team isn't unreasonable for a manager 
like Gerard, who doesn't have the experience yet to get his team into Europe, it takes time. The Premier League is such a difficult league yeah. to play in, uh, to manage in and to play in. And we just saw it with Bournemouth, like losing nine nothing. It's not something like we saw it a few years ago too. Southampton did it. Like it's a tough league, and these managers deserve time. I do think Villa will give Park, uh, Parker Gerard time, but it's if he doesn't get a result in these next six games, he has to win three. Okay. In my opinion, that's a, that should be the standard. He needs at least three. I'll go three wins, one draw, two losses. That's what I think needs to happen. I um, I would hate to see it happen. To be, I I, I hate to see it happen to anybody. I'm yeah. not like one of those ruthless people who's just like, it's all on the manager. I think the manager has a lot of responsibility, but. I'm too, I'm too soft. I think sometimes because I'm like, there's a human being behind it. And of course he wants to see his players and his team succeed. And if it's not happening, it's not like he's going home and celebrating, you know, this guy's had a tough run. Yeah. Um, so I just, I, I hope it works out for him. I just wouldn't be surprised me if neither. it didn't, you know, me neither. But like I said, the thing for me that is making me believe Gerard can do this is the fact his tactics changed for that. Uh, West Ham game, which makes me believe that he's adjusting, he's recognizing his mistakes, and now they're trying to move forward. They they could have won against West Ham, and we would be having a different conversation today, but they didn't, and now they have Arsenal and City, so good Damn. luck, Aston Villa. Well, I mean, it gives us a lot to talk about in yeah. the next few episodes. Yeah, that, well, Thursday even. Well, no, if they, well, no, if they have a bad performance against Arsenal, then... We'll see. That City game just gets harder and to, harder. If at that point against City, they need to pack it in and mm. just play the counter. Yeah, honestly, just 11, 11, 11. 11 behind. And if you can <laughs> get 12 on the field, get the 12th and just do what you can. Yeah, and pray to the football gods. Yeah. Do we have anything else we want to talk about? Before um, I think I am all good. Me too. I don't think there was anything too major. Just skip through my notes quickly. Fulham, I'll just quickly say, yeah. good performance against Arsenal. A lot of people were criticizing Arsenal's celebrations, which I always hate. Winning football games is the best. And like, they, it wasn't even crazy. Like Arteta was like hugging his, hugging his staff, like big, like, you know, big smile on his face. And it's like, Fulham have proved to be a good team. You came from behind, you got put in some adversity and you showed will to go and, to win the game. Now you, what are we, four games in now? They're the only team that's won all four games. And it means something, especially for Arsenal, who at this point were in a relegation something. zone yes. last season. And I think it's extremely harsh to, it's even like the Darwin Nunes thing in the community shield when he over-celebrated his goal. It's like, why? He scored a goal. Like that's, it's such a big thing for him. And so you're saying you don't like the fact that it's being criticized that they celebrate. I don't think it matters. Like, I'm I, with you on I that I just stuff. think it's stupid. Like, do we not have, like criticize the game, criticize how they went down in the game. Sure. But then talk about how positive it was for them to come back and how big of a win it is and how great they've been to start the season. And just like, there's so many positives around Arsenal right now. And to just spin a negative on it for a celebration after literally winning a football game against a London rival is who, who gives a shit to be I'm, honest. I'm with like, you. I always say, I always think like whenever people would have uh, an opinion about that, I think about it as a player and I'm like, if I scored a goal or if I was on a team that 
would have a comeback win. There's no way I wouldn't celebrate. No. I'm soaking it up. We did our job. I did my job. And this is what I do for a living. And this has been what I dedicate every hour of my life to. So I'm going to celebrate the good times. Yeah. And there was one other thing too, actually, that... You can kind of spin either way, but Fabio Carvalho scored, like, I think it was the eighth and ninth goal for Liverpool, and he celebrated like fairly hard. And people were criticizing him too, but it's like, that's his first Premier League goal. <laughs> he is 19 years old. That is, it doesn't matter if it's 20 nothing, if they're losing 20 nothing. Like, that's a big moment for him, and he should deserve He He earned that moment, and he'll, uh, in years to come, people won't even remember that and why it just doesn't matter right now. We are the same. I remember there's one Women's World Cup game. I forget who it was. It might have been the US, and they won like nine or 10 nothing in the World Cup game. And first of all, people were mad that they even kept scoring. Which is. I never understood that. I, and I had the hottest take online at this time because everyone was like, it's so disrespectful from the US women. You can't keep doing that. I'm like, yo, they're not playing in, in, in the pickup league across the street. They're in a World Cup. Mm -hmm. And for many of these women, it's their first World Cup. And for many of those women who scored in that game, it was their first World Cup goal. Yeah, You could not tell me that I couldn't celebrate. Now, yeah. if they're going in their faces and they're being um, disrespectful, totally I think that different. there's a different, you know, there's a line, but they weren't, they were celebrating their goals. And to me, I could beat a team 15, nothing. And if I'm scoring my first world cup goal, if I'm scoring my 500th world cup goal, I'm going to celebrate because you don't know when you're going to be playing your last football match yeah. and you need to be present in that moment. I agree. Uh, the one thing I will say about Fabio Carvalho is um, it was a couple of times he was like, rolling around claiming for a penalty and it was that. already like nine nothing and at one point the Bournemouth goalie literally picked him up and was like get up and he like immediately got up and started screaming in his face he's like you're kind of being an asshole right now like this clock everybody in this stadium knows that this clock just needs to tick tick and tick so you can like you're already disrespecting them enough not intentionally but like yeah. it's nine nothing just get off the field. Like, yeah. Let's just get this roll in here. Uh, one last thing on Liverpool is I thought Harvey Elliott was awesome. Yep. Yep. Um, what, so what I'll say about him is, firstly, I wish he had played in the second half. I think he deserved to play the full 90 minutes. Cavalio was the one that actually came on for him. And I understand you got to get players in. And I thought Klopp actually did a good job of that in the game of bringing on the young players. Yeah. And, you know, Oh, which is at that point. yeah you you should <laughs> but it was um, it was good to see him not disrespect the opponent even more and like even like he went over to scott parker and it was like the 92nd of 94 out of time whatever and he's like talking to him it's like that's good to see some sportsmanship probably telling him it would all be okay and then he got sacked on tuesday morning but on <laughs> elliot i just want to say that I thought he was way better in like a progressive role and like more attacking he seemed to really thrive in that game like right off the start and Fabinho in the lineup helps out a lot and I'm excited to see Elliot play. He'll be in the England team in the next few years. I don't think he'll make the World Cup by any means, but after the World Cup, if he's consistent in this Liverpool team, he'll be around. Luis Diaz might be the most enjoyable player to watch in I the agree. entire world. Wow, just, I love that. He just, I just love him. Like His work ethic is so so fun yep. and he just always plays with a smile and he's just he's just really exciting he's not the best player in the world by any means but i understand he's what you're really saying. really fun to watch and i love i just love the energy he brings to the to the game every week i love that and i think for Mino, even getting those two goals was big for him did he have three assists or something like yeah, crazy, crazy like, like that, that too it was a big game and i think he needed a big game yeah he def definitely i know did. a lot of people have been writing him off as of late like 
Yeah. What What's your take on him? Should Liverpool have him? Like, should he be playing? So that was a big game for him. And again, what I said at the beginning of the show, Virgil van Dijk needed that goal more than anyone. Yeah. they. I think that whole Liverpool team needed <laughs> needed the clean sheet. It was like a lifeline for needed, them. I thought it was the first one of the season too. That's crazy. I didn't even think about yeah. it. Newcastle next, though. Then Everton it's in the Merseyside team. derby. That's like your uh, low-key team. Yeah, it is. It is. So then they actually, wow, they have a tough, tough run. Newcastle at home, Everton away, Merseyside derby, Napoli in the Champions League away, Damn. Wolves at home, which is all, Wolves are a good team. Ajax at home, Chelsea away, Brighton at home. No, this is that's a that's a good run. It's a treat for us, yeah, guys. It's a, it's a treat for run. us because we have so much good football coming up. And Liam, I, we, we say this all the time, but we get to watch these games. Like watching the games is work for us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's put our football fandom aside. It's work, it's and nice. like, what a nice job to have. <laughs> so we can't wait to share all of our opinions and takes with you guys. Let us know what you think in the comments. If you agree, if you disagree, and we'll see you in a couple of days. That's a wrap for another episode of Kickback, and thanks so much for listening. You can catch Caroline. And Liam here every single week on Tuesdays and Thursdays to give you the latest rundown on all things football. Please don't forget to subscribe and give us a nice five-star rating. Please and thank you. And for even more kicked back content, follow the 90th minute on all your favorite social channels. See you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.